Welcome to the pod couple with uh, me, Ronnie Barber, and that fella there, Andy Harper, who's looking well. It's very good of you to say so, Ronnie. On an absolutely miserable, wet day here, nothing cheers me up better than seeing your face. Wow. How's that? You need to go a bit more. Hey, listen, the last time we did one of these um, is we didn't mention one of the key uh, uh, facets of our success in radio. It's two words, Johnny D., Right, and Johnny D, when you were in mid-mornings or any any time I was on, he would do a piece for us. Uh, the man was a genius, or the man is a genius, because he could he could you could say to Johnny, "We've got a slot free, Johnny. Can you do something?" Yeah, I'll do something for you. How did he conjure up those stories? Because you're absolutely right. We'd be perhaps have a slack slack morning, and yeah. we'd think we've got two or three slots to fill here. Mark would give Johnny a ring sort of about quarter to eight, half past seven, and he'd be doing something by half past nine. And and you're so right. It it, it isn't just the ability to talk to anybody on the streets, and I've heard two or three of his things quite recently, and people open up to him. But it's also the ability to write a song about whatever it is you asked him to do. How do you do that? Well, if he's driving to somewhere, Andy, very often the song will be ready for him as he's... He's, he's thought it up, he's got the chords and everything. I mean, he did the, the wonky tree at March as well. And, I mean, just genuine. The other thing as well is, I mean, I used to say this to the young people as well, well, you had to do those horrible things called vox pops. Did you ever do any of those, Andy? I did, particularly when I went on training sessions. Do you know we used to have to go down <laughs> to something house in London? Rafter I hated it. And they'd send you, uh, and it was Regent's Park was just about opposite. And you'd see half a dozen, you know, these people, like myself, mostly younger than me, but going around. And you could tell that a lot of people who are in the park thought, oh, no, not again. <laughs> and you'd go up and ask them about, I don't know, some current story or something about politics. I mean, you were just glad when about three people answered you because most of them told you to you know what off yeah. and you'd go home with about three quotes and go back to the uh, office with about three or four people speaking and try and cut them up to make it sound as though you'd spoken to more I, I hated I, it I didn't really like it on the radio apart from Johnny Johnny and I used to say Johnny could get people to talk there was never a problem wherever he went across the county he, he could just get people to come and talk and actually talk you know, at length, because very often you just get a quick uh, no, yes, whatever. But he, he managed to do it and always came up with the goods. Um, and and he, he used to do a Sunday programme as well. Um, and I forget the name of it. He used to do a Sunday morning programme where he went out and about. Uh, something mm. County, I can't remember. Anyway, um, and it was terrific uh, because it was that, that whole thing about um, real local radio. I, I loved Johnny's bits. And I mean, he was funnier than us as well. That was um, a given, really. But um, one of the things that we did with him on mid-morning, and we loved it, and so did the audience, was the sing-along. When Johnny would come up with a, you know, an Elvis song, Cliff Richard, or he'd come into the studio on a Friday morning, especially. <laughs> and you know, by the end, people were contacting me earlier in the week saying, "What's the song going to be on Friday?" And then, completely out of the blue, and I keep going on about this, but we then had this uh, um, new new manager who came and said, "You know, this isn't th- this isn't the way we should be doing in radio uh, in local radio because one of the executive types from the BBC." Had driven through the county and heard it and got in touch and said, what on earth was that? People singing in the studio and some so-called comedian. And we had to pull the plug. 
And I think of all the things that we did get stopped doing, that was the one that resonated the most with the listeners. I mean, that was Johnny D at his very best. He said this great line to me once. They'd gone to a club to do his act and he'd gone to the club and there was more people working behind the bar than there was in the audience. <laughs> and I always said, <laughs> I would have just turned on my heels and gone back out, but he didn't. He, 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 you know, he just he turns up and he does it. And he had a couple of gigs down in, in the London area where he, he said to me both times, I just did it and got out because he said I was absolutely petrified of the clientele because, you know, you don't know. Presumably, if you're in that line of business, you just get booked, you pitch up, and then you suddenly think, uh-oh. And he said that on more than one occasion, he just felt he was in sort of the middle of a gangster movie. And so he did, but he still did it. I mean, pull yeah. on those yellow tights and have something <laughs> fucking down in front of him. Yes. And, and, and saying he was ready for <laughs> You know, I mean... I'm, and oh. it's not me and I'm, you know, uh, uh, at all, but I, 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 I was full of admiration for somebody yeah, who did that. And he's still doing it, of course. He's still working with the BBC as well. Now, uh, yeah. uh, Andy, I'm going to say one word to you. Election. Yeah. Um, election. Yeah. Right. It, um, it looks like uh, one's round the corner. And as soon as I hear election, my heart kind of drops it sinks because I just think about what we're going to have to do on, on local radio. Were you a fan of the uh, political interview? Yes, I was. And, I mean, I would say that my biggest interest is politics, and that's what I filled a lot of my life with. Maybe hobbies is something to talk about on another day, but I spend, you know, a lot of time watching Parliament and this sort of thing, and I've been absolutely hooked on the COVID inquiry. So, yes, I would put politics just below Liverpool Football Club in, you know, in in my preferences. But um, I like the political interviews as well. And I used to say to people, and I have done since I've been here, that... I had a lot of time for members of parliament. Now, that presumably is almost a unique statement, but I did. And the ones that I mostly came into contact with from all parties, but we have to remember also the sort of county Cambridgeshire was in terms of voting, uh, that they were nearly all of them, I thought, they're good at what they do, they're quick on their feet, and very, very personable. So I did enjoy the political interview very much, and that's what I miss probably more than anything. I I think I was, I I quite liked the one-to-ones. What I didn't really like was the round tables. You know, when you had to, because of the BBC, and quite rightly, we had to be balanced, and we'd bring everybody in, you know, everybody in these, you know, uh, screaming Lord such, whatever, and set them round, and you had to ask them all the same question. But, and this is what used to make me laugh, excuse me, that I would have a producer timing how long they answered because if we didn't do, give them a fair share, they would come back, or their agents would come back and say, ah, he didn't get, no, yeah, he get more time in that question. And we had to do that. We had to be strict on how long they got to answer. So, right. I mean, when I say I liked interviewing politicians, it didn't include build-ups to elections for that very reason. And I used to do a lot of those um, as the years went by, the sort of round table, each constituency, which meant, you know, half a dozen groups of people. And I think often they would sit and think, this bloke isn't listening to me because I was sitting right in. But what I was writing down was Andrew Lansley, 90 seconds, you know, whoever the Labour candidate was. 
90 seconds or or if they got 55 seconds then you had to ask a supplementary so as well as the producer doing it and you know we both had mark and we had other producers as well you're also were so aware and you know the really good clever politicians would hog it and you'd have to suddenly say um uh, yes thank you very much but but uh you know what do you think so and so and i had more than one from a particular party and i'm not going to mention who um really didn't have anything to say uh, <laughs> they weren't experienced politicians yes. can you see where i'm going yes. and you you they didn't have much to say but you had to try and draw them because you had to give them a fair chance yes i i've uh, i've had you know you've done the round table question and you can go to one and you could see them shaking your head going not me no, 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 no. He said, well, what do you think? Of course, if, as soon as you say that to a presenter, you go, not me, you go there, don't you? You ask the question. But it is the whole thing in the build-up to the election and uh, and and making sure everybody gets the right thing. And, of course, this is what I think is going to get lost in the kind of current thinking, is it? Um, we did that every show. I, I think more or less every show in the daytime would actually do... Uh, a round table of some kind. I remember I got yeah. the, the I went to the Key Theatre and did a round table as well, where the members of the public came in and they got to question uh, the uh, candidates right in front of them. It was brilliant. I mean, most of our listeners probably thought, oh, no, not another one of these debates, but we had to do them. But they wouldn't have known what it was like for us because the other thing, as well as giving them seconds, was you had to make sure that you didn't go to the same person, say, to answer each question at the start. So I'd have Kong, one, Lab, two, Lib, three, UKIP, four, and then next time have to be Kong, three, Lab, one. You, you, you even had to do that because people would say that if you went to somebody first every time well then obviously they got in first and said all there was to say and you had to watch if anybody made a funny you had to make sure you laughed at somebody else's funny because that's when you knew and you for this you said that the last time uh, when you were a sports uh, reporter you got blamed for being biased towards one but people can see bias in everything you say, even if you laugh, or even the way you, you, you sort of have a go at somebody to answer the question properly, it's all your bias, you don't like them. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's right. And you know, people speculated all the time about um, you know about your politics, and because everybody lumped everybody who worked for the BBC into the same corner, if you like, people thought they knew exactly where you were coming from. But you know, as I say, I had an awful lot of time for point of view, and the one time, the one time. I really was in serious trouble and was that uh, before the Conservatives uh, came to power, you know, in the coalition, I think it must have been, and they were, we were talking about the health service, and I sort of blithely just said, well, I'm sure, you know, that the health service will be in the safe hands with Andrew Lansley. I knew Andrew Lansley quite well. I knew that he was devoted to his subject. He was one of these politicians at the time. He might not have got it all right, as we now know, but he's one of these politicians who stayed in the same job and seemed to know what he was talking about, and that was all I meant was you know i don't yeah. it was somebody coming on saying when the tories get in that the health service will fall apart and i just blithely said well i think they'll be in safe hands with andrew lansley and i was really really for it and without giving away too much of my politics most people thought that was rather ironic when I stood in for a, a presenter, uh, I think it was Chris Ashley at Radio Cambridgeshire, they used to call me Red Ron. That was my, my nickname. I was, I was mainly like Red Robber from the, uh, the Midlands uh, car companies. Um, what's, in your, uh, what's in your mind at the moment, Andy? What's going through your head? Well, I'd like to ask you, Ronnie, where do you stand on kissing? 
And I'll tell you why I'm asking. <laughs> because this is the time of year when you go to anywhere and people kiss each other. Uh, you know, either at Christmas parties or at New uh, New Year's Eve parties, not the sort of things I go to these days. But I'm one of these people who doesn't see the necessity for people <laughs> to always, you know, kiss people hello and goodbye. You know, I go to family things up here and there's quite a few of us. I don't see the need. I married to somebody who you know was in the rag trade and is the complete opposite we go places and she seems to kiss everybody and um you know we go to people's doors and christine will go in front of me and oh hello and kiss the man and i'll kiss the woman and i just sort of like sidle yeah. in and say hi oh. because i have never been a kisser and i can't see the point in social kissing not you know i mean i i've kissed people over the years otherwise I wouldn't be where I am today but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean I, I don't I don't know why people kiss each other people that you see we see friends you know perhaps once a week watching cricket or going somewhere and they will all kiss each other and then there's this one bloke standing at the back thinking uh-oh it's not for me I think they think I'm weird no, I think you're perfect because I'm hugger-verse, Andy. I'm not a hugger. And I think this is because I was kind of brought up in the west of Scotland because, you know, you didn't show, you don't show your feelings. You know, there's nothing, you don't tell anybody you love them. It's accepted that you love them and everything. But, but in show business, when I went to work in London, at a London radio station, they all kissed. They all, it was just like, you know, even if they went out for a, a Pret-a-Manger, as they would, and come back and, hello, my darling, mm, and you get a kiss, and you're like, what? What am I doing this for? And I, I thought that was a, the, the only kind of good thing that came out of COVID, is that maybe we'd stop that nonsense and to stop the hugging. Stolen my line. I was going to say to you, the best thing about COVID was it stopped me having to kiss anybody. Yeah, but Andy, Andy, it was always on the cheek. There was no lips. There was no lips, unless you were going for a new contract. You know, then then you would maybe think about the lips, uh, kissing the lips. Yeah, but, but then uh, Andrew Wilson wouldn't have liked it too much. Oh, I don't know. He he didn't <laughs> didn't complain with me, uh, uh, Andy. Um, Andy, can I ask you this? How do you feel as somebody you know um, slightly older than me? But how do you feel about the warnings we get? It used to be the only warning you would get was the back of your jacket, dry clean only. Now, everywhere I go, there's a warning. There's a warning that the coffee might be too hot, right? There's a warning about it may contain nuts. There's even a warning at the start of Emmerdale, you know, because it might contain scenes that you'll find upsetting. What about you? Do you think we're getting too many warnings? Oh, absolutely. I've struggled over the years to sleep and I've had various things prescribed to help me to sleep or even gone and, you know, bought some from the pharmacy, whatever. And the oddest thing I always think, it says, be careful, they may make you sleepy. <laughs> well, of course they do. That's why I take them. If they didn't make me sleepy, what would be the point? But I, I and the other one that, I, and I agree with you about these warnings on television, I mean, you know what's coming in certain programmes. Of course you do. And if you don't like violence or you don't like sex or whatever it is you don't watch it i've been watching as i've already mentioned the covid inquiry um for weeks it seems and when dominic 
Cummings and people were on and they were using the language all the time. The BBC kept warning you that there was going to be bad language and then apologising. And my thought was, there's only old saddos like me watching the COVID inquiry and we know all about swearing. And I don't need to be told all the time on every programme this might contain sex or violence. You just know it. You see, um, if it says it may contain scenes of nudity, I mean, that's not a warning to me, that's an enticement. I'm going to watch that programme. It may contain uh, scenes of a sexual nature. I'm all for sexual nature. I love the sexual nature. But it just seems that, that we're, everybody's so bothered that there's going to get an offence. You know, you get... Um, did you, by the way, did you ever get any complaints about your show uh, You know, from head office, talking about people complaining about too much sex? Did anybody ever complain about your show on, on Radio Cambridgeshire? I don't think they would, would they? No, I don't. I don't think I did. As I told you, the one that sticks in my mind was when I mentioned Andrew Lansley, but never no. um, from the top were there any um, passed down saying, "Be careful." I mean, the, the what the program that I remember the most that used to be the one that got all the warnings was that one that on a Friday evening before Trevor and Peter and I did um, uh, Lil Facillo sings opera and then sports talk was when he used to talk to Paul Stainton. Yes, and, and no, the cult, you know, the cult. It was called the cult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it only lasted six months and it was a great show. But <laughs> it was. But they kept getting warned all the yes. time. Yes. You know, and that's why people listened. Did you? Did you get warnings? I used to, yeah, yeah. The, every when I started at 3CR, there was a campaign to get me off. And then when I took over mid-mornings at Cambridgeshire, uh, there was a campaign then uh, to get me taken off. I can never really understand what it was because um, I think the accent was a wee bit of an initial thing. And I never get any off-coms. I never had one off-com, even though no. I did stretch a couple of times. I did stretch the elastic. I don't believe that. I mean, it's just that, you know, you have to always think what people want. And, you know, some people love straight up and down interviews and stories and other people like humour. I mean, if we got complaints from listeners, it was you, as we've mentioned this before, it was usually about the music, yeah. which was nothing to do with us, really. I don't think people quite understood. We went in, logged on, up came the programme, and we'll mention the Lighthouse family again, but if it was them, you had to play it. And I suppose, you know, it wasn't from on a high, obviously, but the listeners, probably the music, was the thing they complained about more than anything else. They certainly never complained about the content because I think it's the same with any programme, Ronnie. There's some things that appeal to you and some things that don't. I listen to PM every evening at five o'clock on Radio 4. Now, I am not interested in either um, AI or, um, you know, transsexual issues. That's so... But when they're on, I just carry on with what I'm doing and then wait for the political yeah. story or yeah. the, you know, the human interest story. And that's what a radio programme is all about. Talking of the COVID thing, Andy, I love the guy that's the, the uh, is the KC, uh, the guy that's doing the interview, the main interview. Isn't he brilliant? Hugo Keith. Oh, yeah. Isn't he great? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, unruffled. And the thing is, Ronnie, that we all think we're capable of talking to people, interviewing people, even talking about anything. But it's the, the the complete grasp of the subject. It's the complete um, unruffled way in which the questions are put. I mean, you know, 
I watched Boris Johnson yesterday. Now, we all know what his style is. If he's cornered, well, then, you know, he goes for it and he starts jabbing his finger. And, you know, yeah. uh, he very rarely takes it on the chin. He goes, he, he hits back. But I'll tell you what, he was like a naughty boy in the corner. And that's because this man, who was calm and smart, unlike Johnson, and completely across the subject, just carried on. And you thought to yourself, these people earn their money. I I I likened him to a, a lawyer, TV lawyer, Petrocelli. You remember Petrocelli used to be building yeah, his house? Yes. And Perry Mason. Perry Mason was a bit like that. He was clinical. There's no shouting. There was just he would just present facts after facts. And I could see a wee bit of Perry Mason in there. In fact, I'd quite like to see Perry Mason taking on one of the chefs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It would be be interesting in these days because things have changed so much in 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 other ways, haven't they? But it's the demand of uh, you know the, the the various statements, and they'll just say, "Can you bring up number two nine three, yes. paragraph 11? And yes. you think, "How the heck does he know this?" Yes, and, and how so, much did they have to read? I know he he is not going back to watch Shetland or Emmerdale Farm at night, is he? He's just walking in. His his wife's probably got uh, heating up his dinner for him. And he's probably going to go, well, you watch it now, I've got work to do. No, Shetland. Yes. Do you do you watch it? Yes, oh, I do. I, one would like to think that you do. Yeah, yes. It was my favourite programme. Absolutely used to just look forward to the next yeah. series. Douglas Henshaw, I thought, was yeah. brilliant as Jimmy Perez. I think you've got to this see it. Time round, oh, this it? time round, I'm not so sure. I mean, I used to think I wouldn't mind living on Shetland, but now it seems to be full of loonies and yes. I wouldn't want to. Well, there's that in the uh, midsummers as well. You just don't want to get into midsummers that move, you know. No. We should move everybody. No, Andy, I don't think it's as good. I don't think it's as... I, I love I. Tosh. I love the Tosh. She's great. Um, but but I'm not sure about the new lassie doing the the chief... No, I'm not sure at all. Oh, no, but, Ashley Jensen's been in lots of things and, you know, she seems to be an attractive personality and she's right for certain things. But replacing um, Douglas Henshaw with her, I know it wasn't anybody's fault. He wanted to, I mean, I follow him on Twitter, so I sort of knew yes. why he wanted to go. And um, um, I like what he says. Uh, but um, he, uh, he, 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 it was his request to go, but I just don't think they filled the gap properly. And <sighs> it's a programme which... I absolutely love. I would love to. Um, I mean, they, they seem to film it during the summer as well because you don't get much horizontal rain as you sometimes can in Sky. <laughs> but but no, you, I'm glad you said that because I said to Denise, I said, I, I've got to see this out loud. I don't know if I like it as it is. But I, I, I do like the, uh, the... What I do like as well is... Um, the Scottish actors you can get, and then they are actually sometimes put an English actor in there as well. You think, oh, that's added. That's a wee added to. But there's a gr group now of Scottish actors you see in everything, which is really yes, good. there is the chap who was um, uh, who was her love interest, and he's now dead. Yes, was also in something which we've watched on Alibi, Annika. Yes. which stars the wonderful yes. Nicola Walker. Oh, it's yeah. that. And he he's a, looks completely different because he had his hair all cut off for this one. But a really good actor. And you think, good, I want to see more of people like him. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the things I watch, Andy, are mainly uh, Homes Under the Hammer and anything where they're chasing crooks and bams, uh, you know, uh, on the police thingy. I love the police ones. Yes. I love them. Yeah. I love a tasering. 
I, I think the in fact I think if it was me they'd have to get me new batteries every other shift because I'd taser everybody. I don't know about you, but they've got a lot of patience to police. You know what? That's exactly what I say. I watch them all the time, and Christine says, "Oh no, not another murder." Um, I was watching some of the Irish baby murders the last couple of nights, and I mean that's the, just up my street. And I, and I and I every virtually every time, and Cambridgeshire has featured quite a lot in one yes. about um, twenty four hours in police custody or something. And and I said, I'm really impressed by how patient they are. And when people come in who've obviously absolute toe rags, and they say, you know, hello, mate, and how are you, and all that, you know, the the, the desk sergeant i know yes. what i'd be wanted to say oh me too i mean and this um everybody would get a cavity search if it was up to me andy everybody because you know even they've yes. just got in for shoplifting get them up there but but it's the other thing as well is is you know it, like 20 cars chase one car up the the motorway and you think i'm not entirely sure it's a good thing but i like a boxing i like when they do the t-pack you know, when they go round up and say, right, move up, move up, move up. Yeah. And the boy moves up and the fella gets in front of them. And then you get the uh, the, 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 the fly ones, the, the, the crims will get through a wee gap and they, they'll go way up a wee side street, you know, a pavement, as they used to call them in the old days. And they'll drive on a pavement. Uh, but, you know, but they, these are the kind of things that, are, that gross me. I don't, you know, I can't remember the last time I watched a sitcom. No, neither can I, because, well, basically, they don't exist, do they, really? And it's difficult to sort of categorise what is and what isn't. I know it's I know it's very, very um, anti-PC, but I found um, uh, on one of those channels the complete rerun of It Ain't Half Hotten. Yes, I know. And um, I, know. I sat and watched it and laughed my head off. I mean, most, I mean, they had, that was talking of warnings. They were warnings ahead yes. of that and during that all the time. But I ignored all the sort of things that, you know, and I appreciate it was of its time and there were things that weren't very nice, but it was funny. Yeah. Um, are you being served as well? It still, still, still makes me, you know, uh, Mrs. Yeah, Mrs. But, Mrs. Slocum's pussy uh, it still makes me laugh. To, you know, every, there's nothing you like that anymore, is there? No, I nothing. mean, nothing. There should be more. There should be more Mrs. Slocum's pussy. They're definitely, yeah. definitely good. I'm good. Uh, now, we're, we're getting close to our time here. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to bring to the table? Um, well, that was the other thing. There was a, a newsreader, Andy. Um, stuck her, her middle finger up at the telly. Did you see this? I saw that, yeah. yeah. Marianne Mashuri, yes, who, um, you know, is w one of the senior ones. Yes, yes. yeah. She took it. I how think many it, times have we wanted to do that? Oh, um, how many times do I, I can say, I know a, fair, a certain Mr. Harper who pressed the wrong button one day uh, when he was trying to talk to me in the studio and he actually was buzzing upstairs and he was talking about a trail that was on and the, the trail, the person that was in the trail was in the office upstairs and heard the comment you made about the trail. Do you remember? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I, can, you I can't believe I'd have done such a thing. You were buzzed, you buzzed me. and <laughs> what, I be critical. <laughs> you buzzed me and I went, what, what? And I couldn't hear you. And, I said, and, he went, and then you did that, oh, oh, oh no. Oh, oh. And you'd actually buzzed upstairs. To <laughs> that particular person heard your comments about the trail, which was really good. I'm just now working out who it was who never spoke to me again. <laughs> uh, are you getting planned for the weekend then? Well, I suppose we're going to have to start pretending that it's come, or preparing for Christmas, really. So I'll probably get roped into going into the loft and getting out the usual bits and pieces and all. I hate it. Um, because... <laughs> 
<laughs> and it was all right, you know, once upon a time. But I think, oh, no, not again. And do the lights work and all the rest of it. And living with somebody who's sort of very fastidious and everything has to be right. It, it's not of my street. To be perfectly honest, I'd like to be sitting there watching uh, racing on Saturday afternoon while it all goes on around me. Do, do you, what's your feeling, Andy, about, um, <clears throat> about Christmas um, parties and work Christmas parties. When you were a teacher, did you go to any of those? No, none at all. I, that was, I mean, I only ever taught in primary schools in rural areas or fairly rural areas, so no. So the BBC was like the first time. Um, some I went to over the years, absolutely brilliant. Others, you know, it just didn't work. And you didn't quite know why some worked and some didn't. But um, yeah, I, do, I, do I go to any now? No. Do I miss them? No. I so went, is that... Yeah, I, 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 and funny enough, that's what I kind of expected. I hated them as well. Um, I'd rather just go out for a pint with the team. But I went to a party once and they insisted I come, right? But I was in the, I was in the, uh, my way out of the station and uh, I said, okay, now the guy that ran the station, I won't name him again, but he decided that he was going to do the tables in lines, right? And at the top table would be all the people who were in and at the, uh, well, I was so far back, Andy, I was filling the plates up for the chef, right? They'd put me so close to the kitchen. And I walked in and I, and I looked for my name and I went to the first table, next table, next table. I was right next, me and Catherine Boyle were right next to the uh, to the kitchen. And then I realised, so I decided my dinner and I walked out. And I realised then, that, you know, you can actually make a lot of enemies with a Christmas party. You can actually say to me, nah, you don't have to sit me sit near me because I don't like you. Yeah, I don't know whether any that I ever went to, I can't remember any, well, there must have been the odd one or two, I think, when we sat down. But generally, you know, I, I think to be fair, you were all standing up at the start and then how, how you were at the end was a different issue. But I think to be fair, there weren't too many. I can remember one, I think, in the centre of Cambridge. But um, I mean, that's just an odd way of doing things, isn't yeah. it? Because, you know, what, what you don't want to do is ever in any position is play your cards and let people know what you think. Andy, it's been a delight. I'll catch up with you next week if that's OK. Of course it is. It's been very good to talk to you once again. Should we blow each other a kiss? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you, you know that I am given to kissing, so... <laughs> Till the next time.